3: F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners-Ready. It's nearly F1 time. I'm joined by your favorite, Matt. Two rumpets. How's it going there, Matt?
4: Oh, I am so glad to be back on the show after all that traveling.
3: It. Uh, you have already been on a show since you're traveling? No. You were on last week. You you made that up. I dreamt it. All right. But there's only one Monday left until Formula One. That's how I see it. There's only one working week. And then the next time we make it to a weekend, we've got F1 cars on track for a season where I genuinely don't know what's going to happen.
4: I am filled with curiosity because I myself am not entirely sure what we are going to see and what we are perhaps not going to see.
3: We should tell the people listening and watching that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined today by our terrible quiz master, Chris Catman-Turner. How's it going, Chris? Oh, thanks, Spanners. Terrible's a great word. Look, I think it's really brave that you've kept up this comedy bit of ill-thought-out questions with ambiguous answers for all this time. It's like, I don't get it. I'm assuming it's some kind of like Stuart Lee inspired bit, but I mean, hats off to you.
0: Thanks. You know, I, I, th- I like to think of myself more as a, a drunk history kind of guy. You know, I'm, I'm far more interesting when you're pissed and it makes much more sense when you're pissed, so.
3: Oh, good. Well, you'll also be with us for our live sim event at Simply Race and doing a bit of a quiz section there as well. I shall indeed. It's all ready to go. Mm, So I've heard you're quite good at sim racing. However, we heard you were quite good at karting and you turned up in your own kit and failed to even beat Spanners.
0: Yeah, I I got tired. You know, I just, I don't
3: know. I'm a a bit weak, Spanners, really. All right, we'll try and focus for the sim event. We're also joined by another race driver. No, we haven't got rid of Bradley Philpott because of that lane system. Air quotes, lane system. Uh, But we have racer Pip Hammond with us. How's it going, Pip? Hi, Spanners. Uh, yeah, all good here.
2: Uh, happy to be on for the first time. It's a bit and, familiar.
3: Uh, Pip's quite an informal nickname. You don't want me to revert to Philip? No, no. In- Interestingly with that, uh, I didn't actually know
2: my real name was Philip till I was 11, because anyone had always called me Pip. So there you go.
3: At no point did a grown-up turn around and go, look, your name is, is actually Philip, or like, had to fill out a form or anything. Um, no, what it, the, the first time
2: I went to play a football team I needed my birth certificate and that's how I found out that's
3: that's amazing (laughs) that is a great story you've been on Jake Sanson's pit board before let me assure you that this is slightly different random yelling is discouraged so sorry about that but you will be allowed to get a word in edgeways I'm not quite as as overbearing and talky as Jake i tell you what Matt why don't we get into some big dirty news big dirty news Well, I think the big dirty news, Matt, is Williams. It's all going on at Williams, or is it all not going on at Williams? It's a whole thing, isn't it? And it's dominated the news cycle. Even the most hardcore defenders of Williams are just sitting there now going, oh, what?
4: Yeah, and and let's be clear about it. This has been a really interesting, what, 72 hours since we heard that Patty Lowe had miraculously and for personal reasons, stepped away from the team. And and there was a lot of speculation as to who was leaving whom and for why. But I do know that uh, getting into it, we had heard rumors that perhaps the Strolls were playing hardball about the payment for buying out Lance. We heard rumors that perhaps some Kubica money wasn't showing up. We definitely heard, understood, it was alleged by parties not to be us. That the reason they were late to testing was because they were having a hard time getting parts from third-party vendors and suppliers. And some reason, I actually had a chat and was sort of like, well, why didn't they just bring last year's car and sort of rock up for the first two days and say, oh, we're doing correlation because we always do that. We need to do that. That's exactly what we need to do. And then show up with the new car next week or whenever they finally get it together.
3: Williams could have just turned up, set up the garage and just invented a mechanical problem that they were working through. Uh, Chris.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it was their 2019 car that wasn't actually ready, and it wasn't money that was the problem, they could have turned up with a 2018 car because they've got two drivers there that desperately need track time before the series uh, before the season starts. And if it was if, if it was if they had all the money in the world, they would have turned up with you know a 2011 car. You know, they just needed track time. The guys just need time behind the wheel to get going. So there must be something more than just not having the car
3: there. So I. I initially felt that there was no way that Paddy Lowe could be responsible for them not getting car parts. I guess the puzzle is, if we think that the car was late because it was engineered in such a way that they couldn't get the thing together and they couldn't build the car, then yes, perhaps Paddy Lowe could be to blame. However, if that was the case, Matt, it just seems so unbelievable that it would only be three days before testing that they know that they'd miss it. Because when you're building something in an ed- engineering way, you've got all these milestones to meet. They would have set milestones like pr- practically every day leading up to testing. So there's no way they get to day three and go, we're going to miss the final milestone.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I think we could just look at Mercedes as a counterexample. They knew back in November that if they pursued uh, the stuff that we saw week two, there was a potential for it not to work out, and they had already devised a plan so that they had something runnable in week one.
3: Yeah. So, oh, right. So they had, they had a, if all else goes wrong, here's what we're going to stick in, and here's what we're going to run. Yeah. Yeah.
4: But they knew that back in November. So you were absolutely correct as to how long they would have known this is potentially a problem. If you think back to the McLaren documentary, we saw the same thing. They knew coming up to it that that floor was not going to be ready and they had to keep on kicking deadlines back to meet it. So, yeah, maybe they didn't share with the public, but internally they had to have known.
0: Uh, But then again, so exactly prove my point. There's a team with all the money in the world. They basically brought a car that wasn't the the spec they're going to run and they ran it for the first week. That's what Williams should have done if they had any money, which for me is where the problem lies.
3: All right. And I think um, let's hear from Pitt first.
2: Yeah. The, the whole williams thing's just gotten so sad um you know you hear that you hear about the, the Stroll money potentially not coming through i mean williams in, in the past have relied on actually drivers trying to get out of the team to fund their racing you know like with button a few years ago um stroll again in this case it, it's not unusual for them to be waiting on on the money like that or at least that's not how it seems um yeah. I, I, it could be a factor in the you know it obviously could be a factor in the in the paddy Lowe situation but it's just crazy how quickly staff seem to come and go from this team.
0: They they could do a salber and employ five drivers for one seat <laughs> and get money that way. Yeah, and
3: there was no repercussions at, at all there, was there, Trumpets?
4: No, none at all. And along those lines, I'd like to announce that I am now uh, second, third, fifth test reserve driver in the sim, possibly for an amount of money that my Kickstarter
3: could raise after this show. All right, let's get Matt involved in <laughs> F1 properly. So, so um we have developed, Matt and I, on our travels and our conversation, an understanding of some things, haven't we, Trumpets? So I think the question the people listening to us would have to ask themselves and certainly did ask themselves last year on Reddit when we understood certain things is how much should you trust Missed Apex? Oh, you should completely and totally trust us. No. Send us your
4: savings now and small unmarked. Oh, sorry, that's Wait, not wrong no. direction.
3: That's not what the path I was going down. I think you you knew and you've deliberately said that. No, the should you trust Miss Apex Podcast as a source of journalism? No, I am not a journalist. Matt is not a journalist. This is not a newspaper. However, we've developed a nice platform here at Miss Apex Podcast, and we're very fortunate that we get to have some conversations with people much closer to the paddock and in and around the teams than than Matt and I are. So, you know, instead of seventh hand, you know, now it's kind of fourth hand. And we've developed an understanding of the picture around us. And then I'm going to share that understanding with you. And I think that's fair, isn't it, Matt? And just say, well, you know, take take no more from it than that. But this is how we understand things.
4: Yeah. uh, When we say things, it's because it's not just because we saw it somewhere randomly on the internet. It's a little better than that. But we understand we haven't double sourced everything. We haven't checked accuracy with themes. It's not that kind of a show. This is meant for a broader context sort of a point.
3: Right. So my understanding is, and I think this should come to no surprise, that the reason Williams didn't turn up for for testing in those first two days was they could not supply the money for the parts to suppliers to get their car out on track. And we're going to, I think, build a little bit of a case Of white cash rather than just some engineering problem where they just miss some deadlines. Oh, we just missed some deadlines. That's a bit embarrassing that, but you know, oh, well, we're back on track now. Because as I understand it, the cash flow problems have continued, and we have heard reports that Williams have been going door to door asking them to share parts that they have uh, in in reserve so that they can get the second car out for testing. uh, Sorry, for. Melbourne, Because obviously they've done all they could, Matt, to get one car out for testing, and, but you need two for the race. And what I'm hearing is that they're struggling to get that second car out on track, which points to not just some engineering logistical nightmare, but an actual cash flow problem.
4: Yeah, it does point very much to that. And we've seen it before. Uh, we, I remember Manor showing up uh, without their software installed and not being able to run for a whole weekend. We've seen Caterham have very similar problems right before they finally went down the tubes for good. And it is sad to see a team like Williams have these issues. But at the same time, I just think back to last year where they denied Force India alone so that they could they themselves could be ready for testing. And I've my memory serves correctly and the chat room is, of course, free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they were the sole team that prevented that from happening because they were looking for a competitive
3: advantage we'll roll back to that Matt uh, Catman well, I was just gonna
0: say that just remember very shortly ago it was 2014 I think it was just that the new change of regulations that this was a team that was getting pole positions and fighting for podiums and it's been such a quick decline it's it's embarrassing and, and actually quite sad uh, you know they used to be the team that i'm sure you spanners when we were
3: kids were looking oh, up to yeah. as like the the bastion of excellence Ma- uh, mansell's um, red five absolutely you yeah know. i mean oh red sorry 5, hang damon on a minute hill. no yeah, yeah i was gonna say no yeah damon hill that's when i first came into f1 because i'm uh, millennial honestly pip uh-huh.
2: yeah. um <laughs> the other thing with williams is they used to be such that powerhouse team that they had the freedom to chop and change the best drivers in the world you know they'd win the title one year. Mansell's gone. You know Prost win it. Prost's gone. You know Hill won it. Hill's gone, and and so on. You know they they they're not in that position anymore. And it's almost like there's never been a proper transition into realizing we're not at that level anymore. Um, you know the BMW money was there for a while, and that that took them along to quite a lot of success. But it's just it, they they've not grown and matched the rest of the sport, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, they've been on a gradual decline, really, ever since they lost Adrian Newey over to Red Bull, to be honest. Sorry, they lost to McLaren first, didn't they? And then he went to Red Bull. But yeah, since he
3: lost him to McLaren, they've just been slowly kind of curving downwards, really. And that's the kind of factual accuracy that makes his quizzes so great, Pip. Yeah, um,
2: going go with, uh, continuing with, with Williams, I know it, it's the equivalent of sort of an info wars of uh, Formula One, but there was a Jack Fieldner over a year ago sort of, predicting the death of the team, and Villeneuve's predicted a lot of things in the last 10 years that, you know, they didn't always come true, but... The, That's kind. <laughs> he, um, you know, he, he did bring light to a, a choice that that Frank Williams made to choose between Claire and Jonathan, his uh, two children, as successor to running the team, and I believe Jonathan's still running the heritage side, keeping all the, um, the, the old Formula 1 cars going, and Claire took on the F1 team. Um, he he called that as a poor decision. I, I'm not 100% sure I agree because we can't possibly know the other outcome. But um, that is Catman. It's
0: much easier to run the, the heritage division, which is kind of out of the spotlight compared to the F1 team, which has got
3: the, the massive amount of pressure in it. Okay, we'll, we'll go to whose fault is this? Because... I know it's not really fair to assign blame, but here on Mist Apex, we will occasionally speculate on who is at fault. And for anybody who's confused, because I keep calling uh Chris Catmanturner Chris, and you're thinking of Chris Stevens, the easy way to tell is that Chris Turner has an opinion, uh, whereas uh, Chris is an integral journalist <laughs> who maintains his non-biased position. I have no affiliations to anybody, so
0: I can say what I like.
2: Yeah, yeah just... Weighing in on uh, on Stevens, I did catch him having an opinion on Formula E this morning, but he very quickly deleted it. So (laughs) sorry, Chris,
3: but everyone
2: (laughs) the world needs to know.
3: Okay, okay. Next time Chris Stevens has an opinion on Twitter, you need to screenshot it before he gets a chance to delete it. Everybody here, put Chris on your your tweet notifications. And actually, no, that's a terrible idea. His tweets are terrible. Trumpets. We are going to get into whose fault we think this is because Paddy Lowe is either the, the downfall of Williams or he is a scapegoat for deeper problems. I think that's one of the two internet based opinions out there. We were first talking about where has the money gone? And you touched on, on the Stroll money. So how I see it is that Stroll kind of left Williams a year earlier than, than intended. So he still had to pay money. So I'm assuming William were, Williams were making promises based on a budget that included the Stroll money that presumably they they were going to pay this year, even though Lance Stroll had moved to Sport Pisa Racing Point,
4: right? And and that that's the standard thing as a driver. If you move, generally, if you have a remainder on your contract, you can you can buy that out from the team, uh, assuming the team is okay with that. And presumably, whatever number they had thought was agreed upon um, has apparently not been that agreed upon. And uh, frankly, and I'm not going to presume this is what has been done. But if I was Stroll, and my team is now force India, I'm sorry, Racing Point
3: Sport, Sport Pisa, that'll do.
4: yeah, whatever it is, um, then perhaps I might strategically have some minor issue with how things are formatted, get some lawyers involved, just kind of prolong the negotiations because the longer they don't have that money the less of a threat they are to my team.
3: And And it is Formula One. Now, something interesting about the payments, because the payments for the championship get paid out in 10 payments over the year, as far as I understand it. And the two months where you don't get money for the championship happen to be the two months where you're paying suppliers, is how I understand it. So presumably all the money that they were going to deliver for parts milestones to these suppliers is, has come at the same time as them not having championship payments. If they've then lost this money from stroll, or even if it's been delayed, this is the time that it would hurt the most. So that's one source of cash gone for Williams. A lot of responses to when I posted this on Twitter said, well, how can a team survive by withholding parts? So, you know, the thinking is, well, a team is, uh, a part supplier is hurting themselves by not supplying the team at the last minute. But there are lots of, F1 car parts, Matt, that one supplier supplies all the team. So essentially, if Williams don't pay up, they go, well, okay, you just go to the back of the queue and we'll churn out these units to Force India, Haas, all the other teams that are paying. Let us know on day two if you've managed to scrape some funds together and, and we'll give you the last ones off the factory line.
4: Yeah, um my understanding is that they do tend to be notoriously... um Bargain sensitive when it comes to the, the sort of vendor supplied parts, things like brake discs, brake systems, dampers. Not all of that is always designed by the team for the car. Uh, there's standard, there's like Brembo, for example, Carbone, AP Racing, uh, Magneti Morelli. They supply a lot of teams, different electric bits and different, different parts that you just tend to want to be able to screw onto the race car and not have your engineering department messing with because they're already good at it and you'd rather use that brain power elsewhere. And yeah, that means you're going to have more than one team. They are not going to necessarily go out of business if you don't pay them. They will just sell those parts to some other team at some future time and write it off.
0: Chris, but they will—they will have a, a lead time when they're paid to when they can get them to you because they've still got to ship them. They've still got to package them, do whatever they need to do. So, you know, if—if if it was that close to the line, then I can understand the the couple of days delay.
3: Yeah. So, w- what Pip sort of alluded to earlier was this whole philosophy has changed. Where from going to having you know the great drivers, the champion drivers, they are now exclusively, I think, funded by what drivers can bring in. So this season, they're in a situation where their plan was, let's be funded by the Stroll money that was coming in, some presumably kind of uh, engine concession from Mercedes for George Russell, money from backers for Robert Kubica, and the test driver money from the Latifis. So if that's their plan, and the Stroll money's been delayed, and the rumour is that the Kubica money has been delayed as well, Matt, they are in serious trouble because they cannot afford to drop Robert Kubica this close to the end of the season and be anywhere near any Polish nationals. There will be riots everywhere if they were to turn around and go, you know how we've been building your hopes up for the last two years and he's in all the team press photos. Uh Yeah, it's not happening. Pip, surely it's a nightmare. It is, but is it even still the correct decision for Kubica to come back and race that car
2: i mean how far behind a williams now it's it can't you know i i don't see it going well for him
0: currently it, it's it's a hiding to nothing it's a it's a two-man race at the back really isn't it with uh nipping at mclaren's heels probably about five seconds a lap slower than them but it'll be uh be russell versus kibitzer at the back and you just won't be able to tell who's who's better because they just they've got such a dog of a car
2: yeah and it's it's awkward because You can go racing, as in anything for the the minimum money you you can afford to spend. It just means you'll be bad. Like it's in every level of motorsport, all the way up. You you can do it for nothing, but you'll be bad. And so, if the if the money's missing for Williams, it's just you know the the
3: fires are just going to keep raging. It's it's not going to get any better over there. So, trumpets. Would we say Kubica is the driver at risk if if money problems? are truly what is causing Williams' uh, troubles at the moment. Robert Kubica has a young driver with a lot of backing waiting in the wings.
4: Yeah, he does. You've got Latifi on deck. If um, And and we've seen this before. Um, was it Caterham? Oh, man, I, d- I do believe I even put it in the notes for myself, but other notes have showed up since then. Uh, Arianto at Manor. That's who I'm thinking of. He, his sponsors suddenly stopped showing up with money. And sure enough, in, a, in the course of a couple of races, he was duly replaced by one Okom. And that was uh, in, in 2016. Yeah, I think you will see Kubica in a race or two or three. But if the sponsors aren't able to fulfill their promises, then I would look for Latifi to replace him pretty early on. Williams can't afford to not have money.
3: So um Mark Jackson in the chat room. And hello to the live chat. You can come and join us on YouTube by searching for Mr. Apex Podcast on YouTube. And you can watch the video and chat along live. And it's really useful for us to get around the picture of things. Mark Jackson says, Sky News reported they changed the design at the last minute and that caused the delay. So I guess there's two things there. Did they just interview someone at Williams and they said, oh, yeah, it's a last minute design change. All right. Well, is it a last minute design change? That is... Get, making them struggle to get two cars to Australia. If that's true, that is just something that I am understanding at the moment. Um But we'll see. I mean, pretty sure Sky reported that Red Bull weren't going to be switching to Honda as well at the time. And uh whole missed Apex in our shed did. But at the end of the day, Matt, we're just a few blokes in a shed. Indeed we are. But it's important when
4: you read stories like that to understand, is this what Williams is saying corporately? And if so, it would not have been a last minute change. It would have been a mid-November, early December change or discovery that put them on the path to being delayed. And I had heard the same thing, too, that they had found
0: something and that was part of the reason. But that perhaps is not the only reason. I would like to know, though, when they were informed by the FIA that their parts were illegal, so the suspension parts um, and their wing mirrors were illegal, because you know, if they've had a lot of lead time for that, then you know that could be uh, that could be construed as an issue. Whereas if they've only been told this
3: week, like we have been, yeah, you know, then then maybe that's that's slightly different. Christopher Fonseca knocking it out of the park in the chat room here. How bad was the previous design? If they changed it and this is what they've come up with, let let's kind of hope for the sake of the sport that a lot of this has been blown out of proportion. Like I say, we're just sharing with you our understanding of that picture. Uh, Matt, we want to get off Williams pretty soon, but uh, a last point?
4: Yeah, well, with regards to the basic design, it apparently is a big improvement to last year's car. But without money to develop, or let's say even show up with a car to race, then you're talking about an entirely separate issue.
3: And Williams being funded purely by the, the driver money through the door, Means that these these kind of problems are probably going to keep happening. If you look at the back three, when we had the likes of Marussia, Manor, and Caterham, Chris, they were pretty much exclusively funded by paid drivers, and and that model just it didn't work. And Williams is now taking on that role. That's true, but it's it's not like they haven't had
0: the Martini money for the last three or four years. So they've been in that decline well before they had to rely on their drivers to fund them.
4: Yeah, uh, Chris Bonseca brings up another interesting point that had crossed my mind, which is now, if you're Mercedes, now you're looking at Williams being so vulnerable that you might finally get that quote-unquote B team that you really wanted, even though they themselves swear that's the last thing they would ever do. (laughs) They may not any longer have a choice in the matter.
3: Let's have a little look at some more Big Dirty News that isn't Williams. Big Dirty News. Let's go further up the grid to the top bit, to the good bit. Are we all aboard the Red Bull hype train? I am hearing that Red Bull themselves are very optimistic and that people are placing their power within about 3% of the Mercedes power at the moment with that Honda Power train. And my first instinct when hearing that was, is 3% behind tragically bad or incredibly good? It could be either. However, to put it in context, the last time they were this close on power to Mercedes was the RB7 and they dominated and took the title. Catman, are you on the Red Bull hype train for 2019?
0: Absolutely. I I think they've got a great driver there in in Max Verstappen who can do it if the package is there. The problem is that... You know, even Williams aren't five percent behind Mercedes. So, being three percent down on power, it, it is a massive disadvantage even now. And even in the last few seasons, they've been able to build their car purely on kind of aerodynamics and being able to to really go for those uh, you know headlines like Monaco, Singapore, whereas actually. You know, Now they're going to have to build their car around going to all the circuits and be able to beat Mercedes at all the tracks. Is is that going to be possible for them? Are they going to be able to claw back from the niche that they've carved out for themselves? Yeah. Going, oh, no, look at me. I've got no power. Whereas actually now, you know, they have some power,
3: allegedly. Um, then are they actually going to be able to use it? Pip, are you aboard the Red Bull hype train? Don't, we need this team in the mix, don't we? we need we need you know the top 5 car driver combinations up there really fighting and bottas as well we absolutely
2: do i mean it depends what metric you're quantifying to get to 3% because we're
3: all 3% different in dna to a banana so that's yeah, not true. i'm going to have to factually correct you there <laughs> because i know the amount of percentage dna we share with a banana and it's 57% but yeah oh. your point is well taken yeah 3% down on <laughs> power but it's purely power totally, mate. But, um, even like in the pre-hybrid era, Red Bull were down on power from the other engines on pure power with that Renault power unit. And they were still able to find, you know, the blown diffuser and be very dominant in 2011, 2013. So we, if the sort of common feeling is if uh, Red Bull have this amazing aero package, they just need something close to the top engines and they'll be able to make their advantage really work through the corners. Yeah. And the, the,
2: the whole Red Bull thing, like like you say, is to rely on the aero to to be close enough on power to get there. But um, it it depends whether we're going to see a Red Bull that just commits to running big power and blow engines up to be competitive
3: often, um, but maybe not reach the end of the races. Sorry, Matt. Uh, no, you don't have to. You don't have to yield to the floor to to trumpets just because he's trying to get in. You hold your ground, Pip. So um, it's just like. No, I think I will yield the floor. I've got lost in my point. All right, that was pretty weak. All right, Trumpets.
4: Yeah, well, I was going to bring up that for all everyone's talking about the, the horsepower within 3%, yay, whoop de doo that what I've heard that n- intrigues me most is that the drivability is far superior to what Renault had provided them. And I was actually going to ask you um, to comment on what they might mean by drivability. Uh, versus um, versus just raw power.
3: We didn't know who you were talking about, but if you, if you look at the live stream, like me and Catman were definitely pointing to where Pip or Pip, you're the driver. You you tell us the things drivability. What does he mean by that?
2: It's it's in how easy it is to get the power down on the ground, um, whereabouts that power is delivered. It within the rev range of the engine. So it, a, a drivable car isn't making all its power right up in the top top end of the, of the range it's you know you're, you're using torque through the corners rather than just chasing big horsepower numbers that are only getting you anywhere at the end of the straight so if it's if it's in the way the power is delivered a lot of that's in how the throttles are mapped now as well so if honda are on, on top of that which you know in, in that respect they may always have been on top of the software side of the engines it may have just been the hardware letting them down we don't know which side's caught up but it's and it, and it is ultimately a combination of all of those things but if they it's much easier for a driver to have less metering of things to do. If they can just stand on the gas rather than try and feed yeah. it in progressively, it makes the car much
3: easier to drive and you've got the brain power to spend on other things. Mark Greenow says, as a McLaren fan, this talk of a decent Honda engine is extremely depressing. And Erudite 450 asks, is it 3% of peak power or 3% of base power? Those are words I don't understand in, in that context. Does anybody know how to answer that question? And if it's relevant? no good we're all equally blank so that's fine let's see if anyone else can can come and explain to us the difference between base power and peak power in this context pip i I, i'm assuming that the meaning of peak power would just be the the
2: ultimate maximum horsepower spot so you get you get the graph displaying where the power is and it's just the highest point um the base power would would essentially be the torque curve how long that is how, how tall that gets where it comes in during the rev range so Those are all the factors that come into the drivability of the engine.
3: You secretly know things and are smart, aren't you, Pip? We're going to speak to you in more detail in just a couple of minutes. But let's just um, do a final kind of analysis of where everybody put the teams in testing order. And we know that you obviously take that with a pinch of salt and it's what the teams have shown us. But in general, I think people are kind of looking at that testing result and saying, well, as it stands on face value, you've got Ferrari, then Red Bull. Then Mercedes, then Haas. But we have to remember, Matt, Mercedes didn't look strong in 2016 either, and that allowed Nico Rosberg to win a world championship.
4: If I'm being honest, I would not only flip-flop Red Bull and Mercedes, I would put a little gap, I would put Haas closer to Red Bull than most people would even imagine.
0: That's controversial. Wow.
4: Uh, I, 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 it's, it's okay to be controversial. Now, this is based entirely on what we saw in testing. If, yeah. I, if I take it in historical context, I'd go Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, just about the same. Maybe a slight edge to Ferrari out of the box. Yeah. Red Bull some distance behind. And then Haas closer than they were last year. But if I look at just testing, and this is perhaps just down to the issues that Red Bull had uh, during testing. They didn't have the same. um, They didn't have the numbers that showed me they were where they were last year.
0: Yeah, but I guess if you're looking at testing times, or you're looking at kind of the ability to do the long runs, if you're looking at the times, you might as well lick your finger and put it in the air and see where it where it lands. uh, Because you know, as you said, Spanners, Mercedes never really show their hand in testing. They're always going to run much higher fuel loads. You know, if we look at the testing, you're going to put McLaren up in that top four.
3: I I can never get the mental image in my head out of a piece of Martin Brundle's commentary Martin Brundle iconic commentator but even he was feeling the strain of Mercedes being so dominant in uh, 2014 2015 and I remember distinctly Q3 in Australia 2016 when we thought Mercedes had been caught by the pack. And then in Q three, Hamilton went and pulled out a blinder. And in his commentary, he all but said, Oh no, it wasn't, it wasn't true. Mercedes are fast. And, and that's, that'll stick with me forever. But I, I, I wonder if we'll have that kind of disappointment this year as well, Chris. Yeah. You could hear his heart breaking as he made <laughs> yeah, that. And it wasn't, and it wasn't because he's anti Hamilton or anti Mercedes. It's because he wanted that, that competition back in.
0: Yeah, and to be honest, last year was exactly the same. Ferrari looked like they were able to to match Mercedes and then it just never materialised. I'm really hopeful that that actually Ferrari looking dominant in testing might mean they're actually able to give Mercedes a bit of a fight for once.
3: And hopefully Red Bull in the mix as well. Matt, let's move on a little bit because we need to speak to our, our new friend, Pip. More than a man, more than a racer. It's Pip Hammond's The Kind Soul that gave Matt Trumpets a chance to drive in a real race car all the way around Silverstone in a Nova. And I was supposed to be there as well, but I got called in to substitute my boss in a meeting at the last minute, who I hate now. I hate you, boss, if you're (laughs) listening. Uh, And Matt... Got to drive your nova race car around the full Silverstone Grand Prix track. it's like having a kick around at Wembley Stadium, and I hate both of you
4: um I just need to throw in championship winning race car, and then off we go <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh Pip are you crazy? You were gonna let me and you did let Matt loose in your race car yeah you
2: can you can uh you you can infer that from from there i mean the thing for me is. <laughs> It's always nice to get people involved in any kind of media who love motorsport and want motorsport to be bigger and want everyone to know about it and get them in the car and know that excitement. Because I don't I don't often I don't subscribe to the idea that everyone who is a pundit or a commentator on the sport has to be an ex-driver. You can be excited and knowledgeable about something without doing it every day, but it does help to have that little taste
3: so, so that, uh, yeah that, that was the reason oh no absolutely and uh and this is why we've been doing our, our racing stuff and we go out and try and do karting and we're doing our sim racing event this saturday it's all about you know turning a wheel like being a football pundit who's never had a kick about would be crazy so i i love it that these guys are, are now turning a wheel much more and even at our low level of karting and racing, we're going wheel to wheel with each other and trying to understand the rules of it um b- before we talk about matt's performance uh, tell us a, just a little bit about your club racing and what you do Okay, well, we I race with PDC Racing. It's sort of it's we 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 we
2: come out and we also all identify as a team, but it, we're, no, we're no, we we do not employ people, which is more like a collective that go racing together. I think this year at peak we'll be at six cars in the uh, Classic Stock Hatch Championship that runs. We were going to run four Novas by mid-season as a Peugeot two hundred five GTI and a Fiesta XR two, so all the proper eighties hot rods that we all that we all remember, but it's. You know, it it's as much about making sure
3: we've got we're getting cars on track for people that appreciate going racing. (laughs) So, Pip, if people are going to follow your antics online, where can they where can they do that? Sure, um, all my accounts are at Racer Hammond on you know Instagram and Twitter. More importantly, how did Matt do on track? Was he terrible? Tell me he's terrible, otherwise he'll be insufferable. I'd love to, but he he did
2: really well that's the very short condensed version of this um and <laughs> he looks very happy about that <laughs> um the thing is it it helps if you're somebody who has has been a student of the sport you know you, you can get you 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 don't start from zero if you know enough about what you're about to do you know a little bit of that can come from the sim but a lot of it just comes from watching the sport i mean mm thousands of races watched in the time you've been following motorsport and it's not always yeah. f1 either and we're Sorry, lucky man.
3: here as well because brad has given up loads of his time to come on Missed apex and just talk us through i think we, we spent 40 minutes on the initial braking point and entering the braking <laughs> zone and what you do with the pedal and the difference between the pressures and the types of pressures and how that relates to sim pedals and i think matt and i have tried our best to actually listen to that and our like my sim racing has come along due to that and and matt obviously has been able to translate that nicely into a nice, fun track day. So follow Pip Hammond everywhere on the internet. Let's get on with some more Big Dirty News.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
3: Oh, how I love having so many experts to call upon here at Missed Apex Podcast. Chris Catman-Turner, I'm going to go to you now. I'm going to focus the live stream camera on you to explain to us how the tyres have been named this year and how to easily understand what's going on with all the different compounds. Go.
0: Oh, that's a that's a a hospital pass, that one. Thanks, fans.
3: What I've done here (laughs) is I've illustrated that even someone as you who's so on it and understands it, has seen the system this year which i thought on the surface of it was going to be better but here we are on the dawn of the new season and even you haven't quite satisfied that in your mind yeah i mean there's there's various numbers and letters and that sort of stuff they've made it really quite
0: simple for us on race day because they've just got the soft medium and and hard compounds but you know they the teams have a bit of clarity knowing so they can compare the data as much as they are able to to previous years by actually getting the designations of the tyres and how
3: they compare to previous seasons but um, I'm definitely not the the best expert on that. Who should we ask? Should we throw it over to old man trumpets? Go on then Matt, tell us what's (laughs) going on on race day, what are we looking out for Um, C4 explodes, C2 is some kind of musical note lay it out for us
4: yeah, well, technically C2, 3, and 4 are notes in different octaves if you want to lean that direction. But essentially, we have five compounds, C1 to C5 plus our wet tires. And your hard, medium, and soft will be three of those five. In the case of Melbourne, we're looking at 2, 3, and 4 being the compounds. And actually, they've already put up, if you care, Pirelli who selected what? And you'll be happy to know that almost all of the teams have basically selected almost all of exactly the same tires uh, either one or two hards, uh, three or two uh, mediums, and the rest being the sauce, which mostly get used up during qualifying.
0: That, that was kind of bound to happen as the uh, years for the regulations have gone on. When Pirelli started, you used to get wild variation in strategy between how many ultra soft people were bringing and how many hards were bringing. But now they're used to what Pirelli, the, the, the kind of product that Pirelli are bringing. They're all virtually going to bring the same at all the races, so it's becoming less of a, an issue. They've made the mistakes already.
4: Yeah, indeed. and And that actually is one of the tragedies because you would love for – I still would love for the teams to have free choice as to which three compounds they pick for the race. So that if I develop, if, if I'm Williams and my car is slow, but I can make it incredibly light on tires, get rid of a get rid of the pit stop, bring the hardest tire, and I'm just going to start and go to the end. And I've saved myself, you know, about 50 seconds over teams that will be making pit stops. I might not still win, but at least it would be vaguely more interesting. And I, everyone getting past me would have to earn that getting past me.
0: Yeah, the other way you could look at that is you could say there are three compounds of tires. Each driver has to use all three compounds rather than just the two, and then you might get even more strategic options opening up there. That could be one way
3: to go. Matt, I, I still, I still don't know. Do you, do you think it will become apparent to me, or do I need to listen back to this again?
4: Um, I, I would just go with soft, medium, and hard, and not worry about it.
3: Okay, cool. Okay, so we've got one more bit of news left, Matt, before we go into. A little bit of an Australian preview and it's kind of a, like they do at the beginning of new episodes of Star Trek and they go like a little recap of things you'd forgotten that you needed to remember. For example, rule changes and stuff. But we've got one little minor topic of Mission Winnow being dropped from Ferrari. Does that mean they're dropping the missed Apex M as well? Because I, I had no termination contract thing sent through to me. I'm, I'm devastated. I loved having our, our M on the ferrari
4: yeah well it was always a bit controversial from the moment the graphic showed up but uh with both the eu and australia quote-unquote looking into it seriously i think the writing was on the wall and it was too obvious a reference to marlboro and as a result it has now been removed and replaced with those little um stickers or whatever they're going to run instead
0: as far as i'm aware they are intending on bringing it back after Australia because it's not under investigation in the other countries that we're going to before we get back to Europe. And notably, the Ducati Moto GP team sorry, I swore on the podcast, um, but actually, uh, the Moto GP team um, they have kept the Mission Winnow uh, stickers for their Qatar GP, which ran this weekend.
3: So, Pip, um, that means our M's got nowhere to go. Surely you can find a, some room for our M on a race car somewhere? I mean, the, we're red and white on my Nova. Um, it fits, it'll fits. it fit nicely. Score. And we are going on. A big shout out to Charles Ford, because we are going on his race car all the way over in America as well. It's very exciting. I love us being on race cars. Trumpets.
4: Yeah. And, and to be clear, the argument was that when they put the logo on the car, it bore a, quote unquote, resemblance to that banned product. That uh, supports motorsport, but is no longer allowed to advertise on the actual cars.
0: So you think the Better Tomorrow McLaren logo will be allowed to stay because it looks nothing like the Lucky Strike or 555 logos that we had on the VAR the cars back in the 90s?
4: It is amazing how a Better Tomorrow and British American Tobacco have exactly the same letters, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, Just one of those
3: things. Well, stay tuned to Missed Apex Podcast. We are smooth and mild, and seven out of ten doctors say we're good for your chest. There is actually <laughs> uh, another item to cover before the Australian preview. I haven't yet watched the Netflix documentary, because my understanding was it was really for people who are not F1 fans, and it was to draw new people in, and that was kind of busy, so I never got to it. But more and more, people who are massively into f1 and know all the things have been saying i should watch it so matt should i watch this netflix f1 thing yes yes you absolutely should watch this
4: i've watched the first couple of episodes
3: well well, why don't we do like um like a review do like a matt trumpets recommends the tv thing
4: yeah i i absolutely recommend it first of all the cinematography and the shots they use are amazing access they had, and even though it's not, you know, granted, it's not the technical access that would really send people such as myself over the edge. Would they catch uh one of my favorites is um last year when Alonzo lost a tire in testing, the cameras are right there while he's talking to the engineers and he turns around and goes, Is this really necessary? He's and, French. That and was and such that's, a good French accent. But, Thank you very much. That is exactly what I was going for. Uh, and then that's the end of the shot. But stars of the show, everyone has said Gunther Steiner. Ah. And I say, yeah, absolutely. Haas has put themselves in a great position. And I know there's a complaint that neither Mercedes or Ferrari participated. But in a way, I think it makes it better.
3: We know so much about Mercedes and Ferrari in a way. We're always, you know, listening to Toto and we're always, you know, hearing about Ferrari. But yeah, to have like Gunther Steiner pop up and suddenly become a personality, that's pretty cool. Catman, are you a fan of this documentary?
0: I haven't actually seen it yet. I'm hoping to binge watch it with my, my friend next week. But I have heard that Ferrari got into it towards the end of the season. So you might see some of them in later episodes. And I hear that Autosport, from Autosport, um, that the FIA are trying to get everybody or rather Liberty trying to get everybody involved with it for this year. And they've already started filming in Barcelona, hoping that that's the case.
4: Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. It's fantastic advertising for all of the marks that are involved in Formula One. And I'm just going to say that the way they cover the Renault Red Bull drama with our friends, Cyril and Christian is just, it's worth the price of admission all on its own. Because you don't really get a sense when you see them in the conferences and they put on their happy face and, yeah, oh we're all buds. It's just a circus. But, man, when they start talking about each other when the cameras are on but (laughs) each other is not around. Also, one of my favorite things, and you know I'm not the world's biggest Christian horror fan, but his nicknames for his donkeys did make me laugh.
3: Brilliant. All right then. I guess I've got no choice but to check this out. Is it episodic? Are they releasing them slowly?
4: No, I think the I think the whole thing is up already. So you can you can binge it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Pip.
2: Uh, sorry, it was just a, a another little bit of news that uh, I've seen flashing past in the in the chat about a uh, point for fastest lap in oh, uh, projected regular. Of
3: course, oh wow, right. right, we've got to change tack and instantly go for that, right? So my instinct for this is point for fastest lap. I've seen it in Formula E. Are you kidding me? The obvious victim of this is Valtteri Bottas. Where you go, ah, oh, hi, Valtteri. I know you've got you're on for a podium great fight back from 10th by the way like absolutely stunning everything okay with the car yeah yeah it's okay why are you on the radio yeah this is this is awkward seb's got the fastest lap at the moment and we kind of need to take that point off of him so we're going to need you to go ahead and come in and put a fresh pair of B1 tires on and, and go and set a fastest lap yeah but but that means I'll miss out on the podium yeah really don't want seb to have that that fastest lap point though do we really need this pip i think
2: yeah i think um you, you you're going to create a qualifying battle at the end of the race between the cars that aren't fighting for the win what's not to love about that
4: okay so uh, this is the interesting difference to formula e and this has literally come upon me as i'm trying to read through comments looking for a comment of the week which we will forget shortly <laughs> but if you look at the points gaps between the first one, two, three, maybe four places, they're bigger than one point. If I'm in third place, I don't want to give up third place to fourth place to gain one point because it'll be a net loss of points for my team. So you're going to be restricting it to either someone uh, top three team who's outside of the top five and can just chuck on some tires and go really fast. Or it's really going to play out amongst the midfield a lot more. I don't don't see a fast lap. And let's remind ourselves, Kevin Magnussen had a fast lap for Haas last year. So I think you're going to see a lot more fast laps coming from the midfield. And that's going to be fun because they generally have a lot less to lose.
3: Oh my God, I've nailed this. This is the Alonso rule. This is the Alonso rule. (laughs) What they saw was every time Alonso was in 11th, And the 10th place car wasn't getting close. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to retire. My grommet flugel is uh, vibrating. Whatever, Fernando, just, we know, just come on in. So they're trying to stop guys, you know, in the the outside of the top 10, just giving up. But but Pip's right. We could see everyone from 11th, 12th downwards get to five laps from the end. And they all just stream into the pits. And then you're going to have half the field just randomly super fast coming out with lap cars going, no time for blue flags. I need that point. Catman.
0: So unfortunately, I think it's only going to apply to people who finish in the top 10. So I think it's basically be a a battle between Redo and has to do that rather than Williams, (laughs) for example, trying to strap on a pair and see if they can do anything there. I've got a bit of trivia on this though, is that it would since 2000, it would have affected the championship outcome only once. And that is in 2008 when Massa would have beaten Hamilton to the title because he got two extra fastest laps.
3: All right, let's scrap it. Terrible idea. Trump
0: <laughs> No,
4: I, I was going to go along with the. I was going to disagree. I think oftentimes you see uh,
3: a racing point
4: or I think this year you would see a Haas or a Renault outside of the top 10 and capable of. Scoring uh, or potentially getting fast lap in the in the last in the last few uh, circuits. And that would be brilliant because there's no points from 11th to 20th. So giving up 11th for 15th versus gaining a point for fast lap sees we could we could see two or three cars in with five or less laps to go because you're lightest on fuel at that point. Putting on the softest tire, which they might have actually bothered to save and trying to get an extra point for themselves, because in the midfield, single points matter a lot more.
0: Yeah, but I guess then you'd see them all trying to back off and make space and get in each other's way, like they do at the end of Q3, Um, just trying to get that ultimate lap time in.
4: And would that be as Hamilton is desperately trying to catch Vettel with five laps to go? Well, then, yeah, sign me up for that.
0: That's going to be some fun. Oh, yeah, but do you want to see the result of the top end of the race adjusted because there's a car park at the final corner
4: i don't know everybody was defending ocon when he took verstappen out or vice versa in brazil
0: <laughs> so i don't know i think it's racing and it just happens sometimes <laughs> the other thing is that this wouldn't be without precedent there actually was a point for fastest lap between uh, 1950 and 1959 um so it's it has happened before in f1 well i'm not going to argue with that because probably it's an actual fact <laughs> oh,
3: never
4: stopped me before, has it, Spanners?
3: Never, not once. Uh we're all about dedicated accuracy and journalistic integrity here at Mist Apex Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter by going to at Mist Apex F1, me personally by following at SpannersReady, and you can follow Pip by searching for Pip Hammond Racing, whatever we did him earlier, Matt at MattPT55. Chris is a very knowledgeable F1 man, well worth a follow. What's your internet of choice?
0: So you can follow me on Twitter at CatmanF1. I'm also doing the occasional thing for the Helmet Club still, so you'll still find the the Helmet Club actually racing next weekend. We're bringing two of our guys to the sim racing. So that's, that's not the real. That's can... not
3: the real name of his club, Steve. Have we got a timestamp to beat that? Can we beat that out? Oh. That's right. Tell me more about the. I'm, I'm not going to say it, about your racing car club. Um, so it's, it was basically just initially set up
0: to, uh, raise some money for a, a children's charity, uh, one that helped me out a lot. And, uh, we did a 24 hour sim race last year to go alongside Le Mans. And, and since then it's gone a bit quiet, but we're, we're bringing it back again this year to do various little events. We, uh, we might've got the, the trophy at Spanners' casting event, uh, for the, for the team points last time, I think, um, mainly because Spanners calculated it wrong, but we'll, we'll ignore that. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot
3: that happened. I forgot you actually won the team trophy. Uh, But, you know, it's the result. The marshals and the officials called the result on the day. And I don't care about your happiness or reputation. Go ahead and plug that charity, though, before we move on to our things to remember before Australia. Yeah, so the
0: the charity that helped me out is called the Ronald McDonald House Charity, and they uh, provide accommodation for uh, parents with very sick kids in hospital. Very good. Matt?
3: What do we need to remember for the Australian Grand Prix? Give us a recap.
4: Well, surprising no one, we're going to start with the tires and specifically the fact that this year's tires are the thinner tires that we saw at a couple of races last year, generally the ones where the circuit had been resurfaced, which we didn't mention Silverstone being resurfaced. But yeah, that's going to happen. Um... And if we recall last year with the new tires, Mercedes got very hinky during the race and brought in Lewis early and wound up basically handing over the win to Ferrari. So the yep. team's lack of knowledge on the tires is absolutely something you're going to want to pay attention to and listen for panicked calls from drivers to teams and from teams going, how do the tires feel? And the and the drivers going, uh, they feel like they're going off my rears. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. Because that means that your team could be in serious trouble, not needing it. There has been a rule change for qualifying. The spare oil tank, which was totally not dumping oil into the combustion chamber to be just extra power during qualifying, is no longer allowed to be full during qualifying. Question being, is Mercedes or Ferrari going to be worse off? The general speculation is Ferrari will be suffering more from that, so it could be advantage team Mercedes. Uh, They also have been concerned for some time about teams using flexible fuel lines to be able to deliver extra fuel above the fuel flow limit, which is 100 kilograms an hour, at certain points during qualifying. Uh, They're estimating as much as a tenth of a liter being dumped in, good for about a 4.5% power boost. They are now special weighing techniques and control tires that are being used to ensure that the teams are not cheating that way. No idea who they might be targeting, but my guess would be probably about 50% of the grid that has the uh, engineering know how and money to pursue these sorts of solutions. Really important during the race, the DRS is much, much, much more powerful. Oh. Also, yeah. Wait so a
3: minute. It- hang on. Hang on. Wait, wait a second. We're getting a thumbs down from Catman there to explain.
0: Oh, what another gimmick that is. DRS was already powerful enough. It's just the most rubbish innovation that there could be. I I don't see why they had to make it even more powerful to make them just blast past on the straight. You know, it's just ridiculous.
4: Right. Well, the practical effect of this is that the delta required between my car's speed and your car's speed will be significantly less. You remember we were hearing that you needed sometimes two or three seconds in order to pass. That number should be coming down. And we also heard from both uh, Daniel Ricardo and Kevin Magnussen that whether or not it makes passing easier, that the new front wing design has made following a bit easier. So we should be able to see cars following closer with more powerful DRS, which potentially means that we'll have more racy
0: race type action in the twisty bits. Uh, what it means is they'll follow closer, and then they'll just be able to blast straight past on the straight. I think it's daft. They've made the rule changes specifically to allow them to follow closer. Keep the DRS the same; They didn't need to change it. Well,
4: I... the DRS changed so so because the design of the rear wing changed. They're bigger, so the effect is therefore bigger. I don't uh, think right. it was something they yeah. purposely did. To... They would have yeah. to have
3: they would have had to have changed the way the DRS works to keep it at the twenty eighteen levels. Uh, instead, it has just grown, uh, with that effect. So the effect is getting rid of your rear wing effectively. Now there's more rear wing to get rid of.
4: You and your grown up words.
3: What did I say? That you, I
4: was absolutely correct and very well done.
3: So we'll keep, we'll keep it to your words, your, your racy, racy thing on the twisty, twisty bits. I, I, I enjoyed cool that well. greatly. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know why they can't just have DRS that closes once you get alongside the other cars Uh, that's such a technologically easy thing to do with the amount of money resources and technology in f1 so you go that lets you get you alongside and as soon as your your front wing is up to the midpoint of the car in front it just shuts again and you've got an opportunity to fight into the braking zone it's not rocket science is it
0: no but we could also have red turtle shells as well and oh wait a minute that would be formula e leave
3: (laughs) formula e alone it's trying it's, it's trying really hard and it's doing really well uh, this season, although I haven't motivated myself to get into it this season. Although, from what I hear from people I trust, this is the season to jump in and start start watching Formula E. Uh, Matt, I think we're going to leave it there for now. We've got a lot of excitement for the next Grand Prix. Loads of news are going to come up, I'm sure, and I cannot wait to start seeing cars back on track. for For us, I think it's on Thursday, isn't it? Will it be Thursday that the free practices are starting? Is that the way time works with Australia? No, it's it's the other way, later. So we have to get up in the middle of the night on f- Friday to Saturday night. You see, no one knows. No one knows. Just don't sleep to make sure you catch all the practice sessions. And uh, until next time, remember that Spanners never forgets comment of the week.
1: Comment of the week.
3: Already in the chat room. they were sh- They were yelling at me once I started the outro. Very busy chat room today. We love having you here uh who is the winner or who is the nominees for this week's comment of the week
4: well i would start with mark Greenhow. the answer is charles eclair just because that struck my fancy um we have chris fonseca in with two the wet tire is technically called c1 but he spelled it s-e-a
3: oh that is yeah there's no way to make that work on a podcast but we will do that in in tweet form yeah
4: yeah. And also with William should have had something at testing. It's not rock ROK it science as in one of their sponsors. Nice. So he was funny today oh, as, as good, a dad. Buddy. I appreciate yeah. that much. Um, Mark Greenhow again, as a McLaren fan, this talk of a decent Honda engine is extremely depressing just because it's true. And Michael Brown with a diss of Damon Hill is as bad a pundit as his arrows was a race car.
3: Let's give it to Mark Greenow in honour of all those McLaren fans who might have to sit through a season of the Honda engine being magnificent. Uh, So you are the winner of this week's
1: Comment of the Week.
3: You can see us on Sunday at 8pm where we will be joined by Chris Stevens. Nick Numbers Alexander and our token Australian video editor, Steve Amy for the race review. Matt and I will next speak tomorrow afternoon where we do our Patreon waffle cast for the people who are kind enough to support us. You can support us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Last week we accidentally went 45 minutes. 10 of which were about f1 but this week we'll keep it to a a tight 30 and actually talk some f1 as well matt until next time guys remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was missed apex f1's coming back it's nearly here I hope it's good after all this build up.